Hey there, it's the Machine of Nonsense, episode 23. Hopefully, Michael Jordan lets us use the number. I'm Eric, your host, and I'm joined as always by Kayla. And today we have a special guest, our second ever guest on the podcast, coming from the Pacific Northwest. We have Patrick Pena. How's it going, man? Doing good. Great, great to be here. Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. We had our first guest on our last episode, our mutual friend, Katie. And uh, you've got a lot to live up to, you know, big shoes to fill. So, yep, I believe yeah, it. Yeah, come correct, you know. Um, so, Patrick, if you don't know what he's all about, uh, he is a writer, director, producer, uh, actor, right? Um, little bit yeah, of everything. Grade. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Modern Renaissance man. Um, something like that. Uh, is that is it like to introduce yourself, Patrick? Like when you, you know, go up to people, you're like, I'm a modern Renaissance man. Yes. Jack of all trades. Um, no, I try. Yes, I try. I only think that in my head. I try not to say that. Well, <laughs> what kind of titles do you give yourself? I, I feel like I don't exactly even know. There's so much little bits in each one. Yeah, you know, filmmaker is what I like. Storyteller is a, is a is a term that I do like. However, I do think that content creators have taken that um, term and um, I don't want to say bastardized it, but they bastardized. And uh, but ultimately, we're all storytellers, right? And it is a general term that I think applies to all art, right? Any kind of expression and stuff. So I do like the term storyteller because it's kind of a blanket term to cover everything. But um, I think at the end of the day, I'd like to be a filmmaker. Nice. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about your work in that uh, that realm. Uh, quite a bit of it, I'd, I'd say. Uh, more than me. Definitely more than me. <laughs> so uh, what we always start these pods with is the light, uh, we like to go around the room and kind of see what everyone's been up to, what we've been playing, what we've been watching. Uh, might as well start us off, Patrick. What uh, what have you been up to? Uh, well, oh, on Thursday, I actually did a voice recording for a radio play that my friend is doing. He wrote a six-episode miniseries that he's you know, trying to get funding for. So for the pilot episode, he got some people together to record it um, as a radio drama just to kind of help with the selling purposes. That was kind of fun. Yeah. And in doing that, I was working on, um, I did my own voice recording since I was already set up, um, working on a cartoon that I've been drawing lately. So I'm still kind of in the early stages of that, putting it together, but I've put together some uh, early scenes from it. So I'm kind of working out the feel before I kind of write a pilot, but that should be coming up pretty soon. Otherwise, today, after we shoot, I'm going to, or after we record, I'm going to be shooting scenes for uh, the video game working on Pepperoni Nightmares. So that's kind of actually the first official shoot for the game, which will be over the next couple weeks, couple months. Um, get that going. Yeah, cheers to that. That's exciting. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Groundbreaking that's day. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a long day for you. Uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And probably try to squeeze in maybe. No Man Land or Sound of Metal before the Oscars. Even though I work, so I won't be able to watch the Oscars. But ah, yeah, you gonna, to in. You, you think you're gonna um, stream it later or something? You gonna record it? Well, I, I imagine that I will be getting uh, live text updates from <laughs> Michelle as it happens. So 
that'll be my that'll be my Oscar night essentially. I'll right. be at work, and yeah, so it's kind of been the last couple of years. I always have to work. Um, it's always right around the time of WrestleMania, so it's like, well, I can't do like mm. how, how many Sundays can I take off as a nerd of all various <laughs> nerddoms? I can't take every entertainment. Every, yeah, I can't take every fucking holiday off, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, work all the, like, federal holidays, take off oh, all yeah. the uh, I work, yeah, I'll work holidays. Su- i work Super Bowl, I don't give a fuck, but, you know. <laughs> hey, WrestleMania comes once a year, you know? Yeah, Sometimes, yeah. Uh, this year, what, multiple days, though, right? It was two days, yeah. I didn't even watch WWE, like, all year, because I've actually kind of switched over to AEW, just because it's only one show, so it's easier to watch and get more fun for me. But I'm like, well, it's mania. I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty entertaining. Well, the first night was pretty entertaining. The second night was not as good. But yeah, that's so what far. I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. I think that's the general consensus. Yeah, that's definitely how it felt. Nice, nice. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we we just did our our Oscar prediction show actually with Katie. Um, so we we powered through all the the Oscar Best Pictures nominees and. Um, it's a weird year for movies. It, it's it's fun. It I, I I like that Michelle's gonna be uh, live live tweeting you or whatever. Um, yes, yes, that's kinda, absolutely that's kind of fun because yeah, we'll we'll be there watching it uh, live definitely. Um, it was a fun year for movies. I I don't know if it was a good year for movies, but it was a fun year. So yeah, what's interesting with the Oscars, not to to derail this, but um. You know, you notice the the, uh, the abundance of, of women and minorities, people of color who are nominated in all different categories. And the kind of the darker underside of that is because they held back all the white movies during this because they wanted those to be in theaters and make the money, whereas the minority and female driven movies, which is going to be it was gonna be a huge year for, for uh, females in film, and it still is. Um, but instead of waiting for those theatrical releases, they just dumped those on streaming, Minari, um, yeah. Mom, yeah, all, all the black movies as well. Um, but still, hey, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, the like lack of amount um, has really given them opportunities to shine. Yes, absolutely. So this is yeah. In the end, it ends up being um, a good thing. Whereas the studios were like, we don't care about these in a sense, right? But then, well, those are the things that get to be showcased. Like, do you think that Promising Young Woman, which is a great movie, do you think it would have been recognized, right? Um, but it is, and like, what you know, and it's such a. Um, such a strong debut film. It's got such an assured tone and those kind of movies don't generally um, kind of get recognized. So without, you know, kind of these bigger uh, normal Oscar movies. Uh, yeah, exactly. Some of these movies got a chance to shine like Stephen Yen, right? Uh, when is the first Asian American to be nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, two, Riz- two of them. First Riz- Muslim Riz Ahmed as well. Exactly. Yeah. So you have. Um, and he's awesome. great. Oh. Yeah, I haven't watched Sound of Metal. We might watch that today or, or very soon. Rivers I met is, uh, is a fantastic actor, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was talking up on, on our last episode, uh, The Night Of. I'm a big fan of that uh, limited series for HBO that he was the, the star of. I, I think that was fantastic. Yeah, I didn't see it. Michelle really loved it. I really only, I mean, I was first introduced to him. I think a lot of people were from um, Nightcrawler, uh, which he was. Very huge standout role, especially opposite, you know, what many people think is one of the better actors of our generation in Gyllenhaal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, he's a fantastic actor. I'm glad that he's uh, getting the recognition he deserves.
uh, in our first episode ever, we all did top five lists. Ever, all the cast members, all seven of us, we did top five movies, video games, and TV shows. So we put Katie on the spot in our last episode. And you know what? You're a guest. We're putting you on the spot. So whatever order, whatever, however, if you want them ranked, bottom to top, top to bottom, doesn't matter. <clears throat> but if you could give us your top five video games, movies, TV shows. Absolutely. When, um, when I first told you that I'd be willing to be a guest and you told me that you'd want to have me on, I saw that you guys all do your top five. So at that time, I made my list just in okay. case it was going to be a thing that came up. So, oh, what a dude. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, you know, it's just I like, to, I like to be prepared. So, um, and I hate to be a weird here. So TV shows and video games. I am so, I am such a movie guy that I don't watch uh, as wide a variety as TV shows as most people. And I don't play a whole lot of video games. So my choices might be um, strange. Um, <laughs> so we'll start with TV shows. For yeah, so TV shows, let's keep, you know, uh, I mostly watch comedies generally because they're easier. I don't like to dedicate time to a drama because they always end up disappointing. And then it's like, well, I got to keep watching because I've already watched this for years. And then, and then you never, and you're never happy. And it's like, eh. It's gonna happen to me a couple times. I'm like, some I can't bad watch. blood, I sense. Yeah, someone's like, no, there's no point. It's a way, it's 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 heartbreaking to watch TV shows. They're aimless. Anyway, so and now again, last ten years has changed. So Seinfeld, Black Mirror, mm. Cowboy Bebop, The Simpsons, but <laughs> seasons three through eight, um, and uh, Silicon Valley. Oh man, I, I yeah. got. Everyone's been telling me, check out Silicon Valley. I gotta, oh, I gotta do that. Jeez, man, it's fucking, it's smart, it's funny. Um, if you like Mike Judge stuff, I mean, it's like top of the line Mike Judge for sure. Very, very funny. Um, video games. So, if you recall, I am a big Tetris fan. Um, so Tetris is, of course, if you want to rank anything, Tetris will say Tetris is my favorite game of all time. But which version of Tetris? Would it be the Game Boy Tetris, which is more or less the original and probably the most played of all Tetris? No, I think it has to be Tetris Effect for PlayStation 4. Um, mm. I think it's my favorite, um, kind of very, very beautiful. It's like, it's like Tetris as art. So it's like my, probably my favorite things pretty much ever. Uh, Super Mario World. Um, I'm very much a Nintendo guy, a Mario guy, an old, old school sort of guy. So, um, and I'll say Super Mario World is probably my favorite of all the Mario games. Fire Pro Wrestling, um, which is a Japanese wrestling video game series. There's been about 30 of them, and I think maybe only four or five have been ported um, for U.S. release. And I will say that either, we'll just go with the most recent one, which is Fire Pro Wrestling World, which is also on um, PS4. Mario Kart, uh, I'm go with Double Dash as my favorite <laughs> Mario Kart, so that's going to be... Right there, and to round out my top five is the classic River City Ransom for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which is a very early beat em up RPG beat em up, and it's like one of my favorites. Also, a big influence on the Scott Pilgrim series. So, when I first started reading the Scott Pilgrim books, I was like, wait a minute, he's made like for me? What the <laughs> fuck? Um, so, that's, there's, there's, there's video games. That's coming back to theaters, uh, Pilgrim, for a little while. I know. It was supposed to come out last year in Dolby Atmos for the 10-year anniversary. Um, and, you know, 
what happened there. So that was disappointing. But yes, so yeah, I mean, what happened? I, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> well, this bullshit. Yeah, it took away our rights. Um, uh, that's where I live. Uh, they, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not much different. Oh, yeah, that's oh, I know. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Mm. Okay, yeah, yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, so yeah, Dolby Atmos though. So the movie is very much uh, a very sound-driven movie. So to have like the best sound system in, um, you know, available, that should be pretty badass. Yeah. Top, top five movies. Movies are obviously more my forte than anything. Um, so these change periodically. When I wrote yeah. this, and I would still say at the moment, I think this is where we are. But I kind of like to keep certain filmmakers at the top, and sometimes it's like. A couple different of their movies will float in and out, like be interchangeable. Um, but in this case, we'll, we'll we'll pick one for each of a couple of those filmmakers. So um, Quentin Tarantino, obviously, because of my age, uh, is is a big influence. Um, and my favorite Tarantino movie, most of the time, yeah, pretty much all the time now, is Jackie Brown. Um, just because um, it's. It's unique among his movies. It's the only movie that's an adaptation that he's done. Um, it's from a Elmore Leonard novel. So the characters are a little bit different. They're, they have a little more richness than his other characters. Um, and it's just kind of a much more um, thoughtful and mature movie than he normally does. Uh, it's kind of unique in his au revoir, as it were. So it's my, that's, that's always my favorite. It kind of gets better every time I watch it. And then um, Kubrick is another one of my favorite filmmakers and uh, Dr. Strangelove is my favorite Kubrick film. It's like pretty much the perfect comedy. still hilarious after like 60 years or 55 years or whatever. And um, it's like the darkest comedy of all time too. And like it's style, it's just fucking it's relentless in its speed and in its um, commentary. So Strangelove. Um, the Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. I've probably seen it over a hundred times. Um, it's a little bit melodramatic, but only in like the absolute best way possible. Um, I think, I, I think that if it was written as a play and Tarantino has said this about a movie called, um, Dogtown or whatever, I think that if Breakfast Club was written as a play, it would have been not only a Tony Award winning play, but it would have been a, a Pulitzer Prize winning play. So I think that it's a perfect, um, exploration of, um, of like being a teenager. So. I think it's underrated. I don't think it's just like, oh, it's a good teen movie. I think Breakfast Club is brilliant. So uh, Coen Brothers are some of my other favorite filmmakers. And my favorite movie a lot of the time from them is No Country for Old Men. Yeah, which is, again, one of those, like, it subverts everything that you want or expect from a thriller, which leaves some of the audience unsatisfied, but is also just like... Unbelievable to watch, and then Shaker's great, and the, I mean, it's everything about it. I could talk about that when we could do a whole couple episodes of a podcast just gushing about fucking no control, man. Write that down, Kayla. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we'll we'll round it out with uh, one of the early influences in uh, Evil Dead Two hmm. by Sam Raimi. Uh, perfect tone of of horror and comedy. Nice. Nice. What a list. I yeah. remember you, uh, me, I remember watching Dr. Strangelove on your uh, recommendation. You might have even borrowed me your copy, I, I think. Oh, um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever checked out a, a Kubrick. And um, and uh, yeah, that's a that is a cool ass movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, good stuff. Good, good Great. list, man. I I like it. We'll uh, we'll be posting that to to social media, so cool. you know, yeah, yeah, people can uh, you know, have their opinions on it. But yeah, check it out. And, <laughs> hey, talk talk shit if you must, or whatever. Use it as inspiration. Do. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. Think of the positive check side. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you might dig it. Exactly. Nice. Cool. Cool. So, this is the part where we interview Patrick. We're going to get to that now. Um, So, very broadly, I I think we kind of actually touched on this, but um, you said storyteller, filmmaker, that's kind of the way you see yourself. But you've worked on a lot of different stuff, honestly. I mean, like from, from the comic book to acting in in shorts and things of that nature not acting in in short pants but uh short films i should say Uh, although you've probably acted in shorts too right no you know what nobody's paid me enough like uh, you don't get these you don't get these legs for free so um i have not acted in shorts just yet but it's probably right around the corner So it definitely seems like you've got a lot of like uh, creative friends, that type of thing, get get pulled into different projects. Um, what uh, what draws you, I guess, to a project? And um, do, you, do you ever say no or is it just give, give me it all? Uh, yeah. So like the, the creative friends thing is, yeah, I really that that's completely by design. You know, not only do I would obviously gravitate towards those kind of people just through conversation generally, but those are the people you end up being connected with because you kind of have the same even if it's not the same medium that you create in, oftentimes there's just the same way of thinking or like, um, you know, it's, it's usually like that passion. Like you'll have the same, you have the same kind of drive, even if it's about something different and you can really like relate in that way. So it's the kind of people I keep around and I always want to collaborate on anything. So yeah, I'm interested in, in everything. I ain't got no rhythm, but I want to do music, you know, like it's just, and I can't, and I, and I can't draw, but I'm making cartoon. Right. So it doesn't, those things like my limitations won't hold me back. Cause I don't necessarily expect to be, to be great at these things or to be famous for them or anything like that. It's just, yeah, I like doing everything. And sometimes it's whatever's accessible. So, you know, the comic book, well, I want to make movies, but there's nobody around to make movies, but I know some artists. So maybe I can convince them to draw and sometimes you can't. And then it's, it's always like that. If somebody else is making a movie, like, oh, I'll help. What, what can I do? I'm not going to say that I know, you know, even if I think I have experience in something or whatever, I'll, I'm willing to, you know, I'll still go be a PA for, for somebody on a movie, you know, while I'm, we're all at the same level, right? Like until, until you're doing it for a living, you're still just trying to make it, you know, and I don't mean like the whole work for exposure thing, which is just a big in the art community, especially online, amongst the memes and whatnot, everybody likes to talk about, oh, you can't pay bills, exposures kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you know, you can pick and shoot, you know, make decisions about how you want to do things. So, yeah, there, there are projects that I wouldn't work on. But generally for my friends and things like that, no, I'm willing to help out and do whatever. And as far as um, I'm willing to try any medium, generally, you know, I did painting for a little while there, but that was more of a depression thing like needing um an immediate form of expression yeah just like i could do other things but those aren't working those aren't helping like maybe they're hurting right because if you have an idea sometimes it like can fester in your brain if you can't get it out 
so yeah, then it was like, okay, now I have images. So it's like, all right, I could just fucking slap these on and like immediately get that satisfaction of knowing that it's, that it's gone or whatever it is. So yeah, I like it all, man. I like to just express myself, I guess, at the end of the day. So to kinda... el- elaborate a little bit on that, you kind of touched on something we were going to bring up. Um, mm-hmm. When you have an idea that's not quite moving off the ground, like how do, how do you deal with that? How do you keep going? How do you find something mm-hmm. new? <laughs> Yeah, so I struggle with that. Like, if you think about it, like, you know, yeah, if Eric, if, too. yeah, so Eric, you've known me for shit, 25 years if you want to break it down like that, right? So I've been, you know, drawing, writing stuff like, you know, for, for forever. But you'd think that, oh man, if you have that driver or, or whatever, wouldn't you be successful after 25 years or something, right? So if I knew I knew I wanted to be a filmmaker at 14, then why am I not further along? It's like, well, there's a lot of things that'll really stifle you um and you know mostly mental blocks or, or disorders or whatever it is but um and that's something you work on but if i okay let's go back because i know what the questions is like yeah if you have failed projects and stuff so let's take one example that eric like you remember so you were going to act in that i was gonna make a short slasher movie maybe 15 years ago or something or whatever it was yeah we even shot we shot a couple scenes from it like you know start started working on it. i had like some of the effects figured out these kind of things it was pretty much mostly cast but why didn't i finish it well at that time i i had like a a mini dv camcorder and i wanted to system audio so essentially record the audio on a separate device then sync it up in post and um well, i don't really have any money so i'm like oh i'm just working with what i got and like i just don't i'm not satisfied with the sound of it i've gotten over that but at the time, it's like, well, if it's not going to be good enough to show people, then I don't want to do it. And you keep on like, so that was always a big thing for me. Like, well, if it's not going to be what I think it's going to be, then what's the fucking point? Or if I think that at some point, it's almost, I, you know, you it becomes self-defeating. So I don't know if it's like, oh, I don't feel like doing the work or if it's more, whatever the fuck it is. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's these kind of mental blocks. But then, luck, uh, lucky thing for me, which is also a hindrance sometimes, is I have a lot of like sometimes a nonstop flood of ideas. And then that's, that becomes dizzying, right? And you can't focus on anything, which becomes another blocking point. Oh, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. Yeah, you could, but if you put a little focus on something, maybe you'd make something more substantial. Yeah. Do you feel like you've gotten over that, that block of, oh, this needs to be like perfection. This needs to be good enough yeah. that I need to show to someone that type of thing. Because uh, I feel I felt like starting this podcast, getting it off the ground, that was something that we kind of dealt with. I, I, yep. I feel that when you said that, um, yep. you know, so um, do, do you feel like, yeah, that, that it, you've gotten over that, that you can, you know, create what? for the sake of creating? Yep. Yeah. If you watch any of my shorts, like the audio is, is bad. Like that's the thing. Like the production is not, is not there. So am I like embarrassed of it? No, I'm absolutely not embarrassed of those things, but I also don't, I know what they are. I can't present them as like these completely polished works, but I do think at the same time, like, look, especially from, from where I'm at as a filmmaker, a lot of people in my same shoes would raise a few grand to shoot a short to make sure that it's as polished as possible so you could present it as this finished piece, which is cool. And that's a way, that's a way to do it. But at the same time, um, if you have something that's a little more rough around the edges, like, okay, you didn't have a, a crew, you didn't have a cinematographer, you didn't have the things that, that the studios provide, the budgets provide. So they could look past, they could look through those things. Um, 
if if the quality is there within the content, I mean content in the traditional sense, like the literal, the, the innards and guts of things. Yeah, exactly. If people people could see through that, um, and then throw money to to bring it in. So like even in a podcast sense, if the conversation is is good, if the audio quality isn't top of the line, you know, you could still garner listeners, you could still garner an audience, and you could still people can still get into it. So yeah, I've gotten past that. Um, the big stopping block for me is always still. Because writing, like, I like to write, like, to tell stories, though. I never call myself a writer anymore. I used to. But, like, I don't like to write. Writing is, is hard. Writing is very hard. Uh, getting the story out of my brain onto the paper in a structured form is the hardest part. And, like, everything after that is really, really fun. Um, thinking about it is really, really fun. And planning it is fun. But the fucking writing part is difficult. So I can't write a story unless I already know that I'm going to be able to see it to completion. And that's a, not a good thing. I should be able to have stories on the side. I should be able to have scripts unwritten. I mean, I'm not saying I've never written a script I didn't plan on producing, but like not as often as I should. So like Man Bites Man became a thing where it's like, if I approach an artist and I don't have a story, say, hey, would you want to work on something? And they want to see a finished script. It's hard for me to, to get it out. Just because there's, it's like a, again, like a deficiency in my brain. It's like, I can't do it. But if the guy's like, yeah, let's start working on it, then I will fucking just. But at the same time, it'll suffer too because maybe it's not as planned of a piece because I'm kind of writing it on the fly, which is what I do a lot of times, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you don't have a ton of like unfinished work, but you do. You have you know projects that have maybe you know not gone cool. the full the full yeah. rank. Do you feel like that's still a, a, a positive? Still something you can? Of course, everything's a learning experience, whatever. But like the. Do you keep all of your your documents, scripts, uh, things like that? Maybe footage, anything like that, um, to use in the future? Is that a thing that you do, or is it just kind of like that's it? I'm done. That that's that, and that's it. Um, a little bit of both. I definitely keep ideas around. That's like yeah, for sure. So many like hey, the cartoon that I said I was drawing is something that I came up with when I was like eight or nine years old, and I've been kind of you keep these characters and they're just there you know they exist and you're a couple years later like hmm well the way i thought about it when i was eight doesn't work anymore but how do you update them like think about okay say the dudes right the uh the the cartoon superheroes which were the men originally right but you remember <laughs> that so like and, and then the, i still have them in my head too they're the fight force power squad now so and you know they're not what they were originally but at the very basic okay i could trace it back to what the original idea of the cartoon characters were so I have a lot of stories like that that kind of evolve. And then there are plenty of stories like, oh, I like this when I was nine. And it's like, okay, well, it's, just, it's silly. It doesn't work anymore. But there are things that I, yeah, I try to keep anything that I think is a viable idea. And then um, old footage and things like that. Well, so of my real old tapes, my old like uh, high eight tapes, I actually just sent them into Kodak to be digitized. I'm not 100% sure what's on there, but there were some things I shot in high school. Um, the Luchador Dave show that I think there's, yeah, I think there's going to be footage on there of that, which will be really interesting to see. There was one, um, a short I shot in high school, my senior year of high school, like for Miss Lutringer's film class. And I recently re-edited that and put that online as well, just for yeah. fun. Um, yeah, I don't, I like revisiting those things. I think that let's just say that one day I was a successful artist, right? And that in somebody's eyes, I'd be considered a celebrity. Um, I think that, you know, being able to access celebrities as real people, I and mean, obviously that's something people really love with social media and things like that. But when you're also, when you're an artist too, or you really like the art form, 
I think being able to go back and see people's influences and see where they came from and just know more about them personally and dig into their brain is something that, um, you know, fans really, really like. So it's like, yeah, I don't mind providing that in the event that I am successful. So people like to hide. Like another thing, like people in your branding, don't put anything out there unless it's, you know, you want that to really represent you. Like, well, I think everything I do represents me, whether or not it's, you know, of high production value is another <laughs> question. Yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. Grow. Yeah, exactly. Right. Hopefully yeah. Hopefully we all grow and change. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. A lot of people don't, but I think yeah. that's something, yeah, that change you can see. Yeah, yeah, it is. But you have to be able to see that um, you, progression. You have mentioned a couple things that are hard in the process. Uh besides money, like what would you say is the hardest thing? Take finances out of it. Yeah. Well, for me, it's, for me, it's writing for me. It's, for me, it's structure for me. It's getting a finished piece that I'm happy with because if I've thought about the story so much when I'm writing it, it's kind of like doing it again. And then in the the writing process, I'm, I like to be one and done, which is really not the way the writing process works. You know, they always tell you it comes in the rewrite. So that becomes a stumbling block for me. Like I can't get it out the first time because it's not right. And it's like, what does it matter? Just get it on the page. In, the, in, a, in a general structure, then you rewrite it. Well, I hate rewriting it because I've already written it. Now I got to watch it and read it again and again and again and again and again. So I'm a big dialogue writer. That ends up being my big strong point. And um, conversations often come in one take. So I could write those in, in, in single take. So writing is a difficult part. Uh, the other hardest part of the process for me at the moment is actually finding people um, because film is the ultimate collaborative art everything else is usually done solo or at least can be done solo and film now can be done solo um it's just something i was trying to avoid but now it's fine fine now i have to act in it now i have to do this now i have to do that but um yeah finding finding other people to work with and that's a problem in indiana too i mean i have friends and that's always great i love having you know friends around who can help which is fantastic but um you know at a certain point you need people who are going to be in that field who right a little more skilled in their individual roles. I like to do everything myself, but only until there's somebody who can do those individual things better. And then they go into those roles and those become that. So um, that's difficult is, is getting the right people around you. Yeah, so speaking of friends and film and all that, Vixen of Vengeance, you were able to create a, a film yeah. with, you know, starring a, a lot of friends, uh, yeah. you know, yourself, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Go into that if you could. Like, what was that process? How long did it take? Um, you know, just, yeah, if you could break that down just a little bit for us. Uh, I remember seeing seeing the premiere and uh, thinking, like, yeah, thank man, you. this is pretty pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. Thank cool. you. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, so the December, December 2014 or no, January 2015, sorry. We went to, Michelle and I went up to Wisconsin. I knew some guys. So I, all right, I'm going to give you a full, it's a little more than you asked for, but 2007, got out of high school. Don't get a job. Don't go to college. Don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm like, well, I want to make movies, but what do I just do to sit? I don't know what to do. So I got a computer and do this kind of stuff. I'm just hanging out online. And I'm kind of a night guy. So I'm staying up to like eight in the morning, not doing shit. But they're shooting The Dark Knight. 
And uh, I'm a Batman fan, I gotta say. I'm really, I was always a really big Batman fan growing up. So I spend most of my nights, like, again, I say nerd a lot, but hey, what it is, what it is, I don't think it's a bad word. Um, hanging on the Batman forums all night, right? So I am a writer who cannot get people to work with me. This is a reoccurring theme. So I try to get the fan art people to start, I start writing Batman Start lure him in, right? That's where Muhammad came from. Muhammad came. He was a guy who I wrote. Yes, yeah, all these, all this shit. So another guy I met on there, Scott Seagram, who his name was Slevin with the L was a seven. I imagine he was a fan of the movie Lucky Number Slevin. We were all, you know, 17, 18 years old at the time. So long story short, keep talking to Scott. We're friends on MySpace. We're friends on Facebook. He's one of the few that transfers over. Then we get to know each other a little bit more over the years. Oh, he likes to make film too. So we stay friends over the years. And then he says, hey, my buddy Austin is going to be shooting this slasher movie for this guy up in Wisconsin. You're over there, right? I'm like, okay, look it up. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour drive. And I'm like, <laughs> I could probably fucking go up there and, and shoot this movie with you guys or whatever. So I'd never met Scott. In fact, this is the first time. I've had friends online since I was just, you know, in our generation. You know, it's somewhat normal, although we're old enough to be like, that's still a little bit weird. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, fuck it. So we go up there and we, and it's like, okay, so we shoot this movie, Dismembering Christmas, which you can find um, online streaming or you can buy the Blu-ray out there, made by Slasher Studios, written by Kevin Summerfield. And so we go up there and shoot this movie for 13, 14 days or whatever. And there's some good stories there for another time. But um, I meet, so Scott, it's the first time I meet Scott there. And I meet my friend Sean there, who made Touchtone, and all. Who was my uh, wedding photographer, and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of an interesting, a fun, um, life changing experience. But I come out of that movie like, all right, because I didn't know what to expect. It was a Kickstarter movie, and all these kind of things. I don't know these fucking people, so I don't know if it's going to be like a somewhat mid level, or like I don't know what kind of level the production is going to be. But at the end of the day, oh no, it's it's fourteen people. Or twenty people in a fucking house is trying to make a movie. It's the same as as anything else. I'm like, no, I could do this. I, I I could get a bunch of random people together, and I know how to make a fucking movie. So I said, all right, I'm gonna go home and do that. So I already had the script, Maniac Mutant Massacre, which I had tried to make once a couple years prior, and I'm like, okay, this is just sitting here. Let's throw some shit together and let's do a Kickstarter and try to get it made, which didn't which didn't work. The thing that with Kevin is he had done a couple of shorts and had a very small following through um, horror film festivals. So we had enough of a following who would be able to pay to get a, a short feature made. And I had friends who got me like most of the way there, but it's not quite. If I had a small following, I could have got that financed, but I didn't. But I was so determined to still make a movie. I basically had this idea that was supposed to be the movie I did after Maniac Mutant Massacre that ideally would have had a little more style, a little more budget, be a little cooler. And I was like, well. I could just ask the people I cast for Man Beaten Massacre if they want to do this story idea instead. And most of them did, except for the lead actress. She was like, nah, it's not, that's, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do a revenge movie. This is not my style. I'm like, okay, I understand. So I'm like, hey, Michelle, which is, of course, my wife. And I'm like, if I was just going to make this movie, would you star in it? And like, she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't feel comfortable acting necessarily. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I guess if we're, you know. And she's great. I mean, she's really great in it. And so I don't have a script, but I'm like, I'm making this fucking movie. So I'm just telling everybody, all right, we're just going to shoot it. And I start the very first scene, which is not the best scene in the movie, but it's our fight scene. 
and it's like it's an overnight shoot between me and her, which we figured out the fight that the day before. We're also not, you know, uh, fighters of any sort, <laughs> with any kind of um, background in, in in any sort of uh, combat sports. So it's not, you know, I can watch it now and I feel all right about it. But it was it was rough editing and watching the for you know for a while there. I'm like, it's just not. Um, up to snuff i'm like well what do you expect come on it's all right it works it works well enough so yeah and that then it was really just on uh nights and weekends whenever i could because it, here was the smart thing okay so i made the movie i say it cost 800 dollars. like well okay well, how do you figure that out well i had all my gear right i bought some soft boxes for like 150 bucks and then i kind of some co- couple costumes and then like food on the days that we shot so i kind of add that together and it's like yeah it's about what it cost me out of pocket so um Nights and weekends, I kind of break it down like this. I was like, I know I can make this on a low budget, so it's a revenge movie. So you need basically all these characters in a big opening scene, so that's the one scene where you need a, a big cast. You need one where you shoot in a bar where you'll need some extras. So those are kind of the harder things to arrange. Everything else is going to be one location, her and the guy she kills. And then everything else would be a bunch of mood stuff of her in between. So I'm like, all right, I could break this down pretty easily into where I need to shoot just a couple locations, and then each shoot would need minimal actors, which means I would need minimal crew as well. So kind of thinking very much in the Corman sense or whatever way to you know be as economic as possible. Um, and a lot of this comes from like I I always wanted to I like the low budget shit, I like the DIY shit, and that's the that's the school I come from. That's where I learned whether it was online or through DVD commentaries and behind the scenes stuff from guys who did it themselves too, like Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi and Romero and those guys. And that's just kind of that's where you learn. So yeah, we shoot in the weekends and this kind of shit, and um, I'd write it as I go along. So like the only kind of real, there's a couple actors I cast, and the most real actor I have is the Kyle Garlock. Um, and he's like an older guy trying to act, and he hasn't really broken out on anything yet. He's done some like background work and like the movie, Hollywood movies that shoot in Chicago. He's like an extra in The Dark Knight and like Public Enemies and stuff. Um, yeah, and he hasn't had that many roles, so he, he liked this role. He was supposed to have a, a different role in Maniac Mutant Massacre, but he was like, no, I'll turn around and do this. Able to get his stuff in two days. One of the shoots was technically illegal. We were in a location we're not supposed to be in. Um, so that's like his office. I won't tell you where it was shot, but that, that was cool. Um, <laughs> nice. I, don't tell, I don't tell him that until we're leaving. I like, we're leaving. I'm like, just to be 100% honest with you, like we didn't have permission to be in here, so... I just want you to know that. And he's like, that's cool. <laughs> and then ironically, we go over and shoot at our friend Mariah's house um, for another scene. And then the lady across the street calls the cops on us. So like, that's uh-huh, funny. Uh-huh. Uh, what? And the cops like, yeah, it's not illegal just because your camera's facing her house. And I said, yeah, I know. And I will put her in the fucking movie if she doesn't want it. Then I asked the cop, <laughs> I was like, do you want to be in the movie? He's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. It's cool. Uh, so yeah, Pete Garlock and... Uh, He's great, and it was really fun to kind of work with him. But even that, it was like, oh, hey, Pete, yeah, we're shooting on Saturday. So Thursday night, I'll write the scenes up. Oh, here's your sides for the uh, for Saturday. So just remember the lines. Like, I just wrote them, like, three days before. Um, so it was very seat your pants style, run and gun, move it along, kind of use all the things that I already knew, right? Like, I knew how to do shooting somebody. I knew how to do a throat slit, these kind of things, like some effects and stuff. I didn't really have to learn those things. I learned them for other things, right? So there's your, there's a question like before. So I learned the throat slit for that slash we were going to do. And then I didn't do it. And then like five years later, oh yeah, I remember how to do that. Shit. I'll look up the video real quick to refresh myself, but I could fucking do a throat slit in this. Or I had done um, 
CO2 squibs of like headshots in um, Thunder Cheap, which is a short film I did. It's like, oh, I could fucking do that in this. Just like any kind of effect I already knew how to do. Um, so that was fun. And then lastly, the score, which I think is super cool and it kind of gives them. That's what really makes the movie feel the way it does. Um, so, you know, it's shot. It is what it is. It looks okay sometimes and kind of crappy other times. The audio is not great. And um, these long moments of like silence and this really interesting fucking electric guitar sound is very distinctive. And I think really, again, that's that, that's what sells the entire tone of the fucking thing. And it was not intentional. It was supposed to be a synth score more inspired by 70s Italian giallo films, which is like the um, precursor to slashers. They're like, Murder mystery, stabby, big-eyed, pretty women Italian movies from the 70s, like Dario Argento movies. And the guy I was supposed to have do it, I won't say his name, he uh, he just couldn't wrap his fucking head around it. And he dropped out like two weeks before the premiere, like the St. Patrick's Day premiere. Jesus. And I was like, yeah, fucks. And Michelle's like, delete this guy. And I'm just like, whatever, fuck him. And then Ryan is like, I mean, we could do it. So we just got like a bunch of cores light and then I had my, I had this Yeti microphone and my MacBook and just fucking recording like a Casio keyboard and, and like a legitimate, like, and then his fucking um, electric guitar and stuff with a pedal. I forgot the fucking, forgot the name of the pedal was. He borrowed it from Jerry Hunt. I remember that specifically because I put him <laughs> in the special thanks in the credits. Um, and yeah, and I, you know, I told him what I wanted. I played him a clip from this movie called A Blade in the Dark, which is a Lamberto Baba movie. And I was like, they have the same theme. You know, some movies they'll have like just the same theme, just the same few notes, just played all, like essentially the score is just that same thing over and over again. Well, I kind of liked oh, yeah. that. And that's what I told him I wanted. I was like, I don't need a bunch of pieces. I want a motif that's done like a lot. And uh, Blade in the Dark does it really well. And I always liked it. I was like, play this. And he, he made up something that sounds a lot like the theme from A Blade in the Dark. And like that ends up being my favorite part of the movie is, is like, fucking so cheaply recorded like you listen closely I mean, it doesn't sound like you know super high fidelity or anything but like yeah, it's fun like i love i love every aspect of filmmaking from production design to, to visual effects to practical effects editing is probably my favorite thing it's a lot of stuff you're talking about a lot of things that you never imagine it takes that much stuff to do and to imagine like one person trying to put that all together is is impressive Thank you. It's fun. <laughs> like I like doing. Like that's the um, that's what you do. And then once you get people who can really do these things, like okay, I'm not maybe great at any of these things, but you know them enough, right? So when you get people who like it's their fucking job, you can speak the same language as them and express like what you need from them, what they can do. Because at the end of the day, that's the weird thing about a director. It's kind of a fucking narcissistic job in a way because it's everybody working in service of your ideas, right? They're all kind of like, oh yeah, whatever you say, what's your vision, that kind of stuff, but. It's collaboration. It's not, you know, dictation. So yeah, yeah. I mean, surrounding yourself once again, surrounding yourself by with talented people like like Ryan. I mean, like yeah, yeah, coming mm -hmm. through. You know, on that. So exactly. That's kind of that's the idea. And the always hope was, and that's the thing that sucks. You don't want to. It can't be. I keep you around because you can do this. Like you try to always be. That's why I would say yes to anything somebody else wants to do, right? Because it's like, well, you got you have to throw it back. You have to support them too. So like, whereas anybody else is always willing to be in anything that I want to do, it's like, well, fuck, then I have to go, I want to go do the same thing for everyone else too. So that's, that's what it's about. I mean, art, you have to do it. That's support independent art, right? Like 
you can't tell other people to do it and then and then not do it because then you're just an asshole and you want people to support you. Um, right. And that's not yeah, it's not what it's about. Yeah. So that's well, nice. like you said. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. That's a nice uh, kind of segue into your current project, I think. Um you you mentioned earlier video games aren't your, you know, number one priority, but uh nope. that's what you're doing now. So nope. tell us uh, a little bit about what you know, whatever you can tell us about pepperoni nightmares. I could tell you a lot. So my yeah, I mean so <laughs> uh Pepperoni Nightmares, the story itself is a story um, it's kind of been in my head since I've moved out here to Washington or shortly thereafter, which definitely bred from anxiety. If I wanted to break it down and say the theme of the thing, it really comes from anxiety, but it's um, it's like a surrealistic horror story that I was going to shoot as a movie. I could never break the story. I could never figure out exactly what it is. I had imagery and I had tone and feelings and atmosphere and this kind of stuff, but I'm like, I don't. I can't play it out the whole way and I can never figure it out, but it was really eating at me because it was like, you know, shit going on in my head. So I had two stories at the time. I had that version of it, which was the horror version. And then I had the more realistic semi-autobiographical version, which I ended up writing as a movie called You're a Weird Fucking Guy, Ignacio, which I was going to shoot last year before, you know, and no, what, 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 what happened? I don't <laughs> Financing fell through, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So that, and those like, like I had casting the week they started closing, like the libraries where I was going to do like my casting. And it was like that I was shooting like the month after all this, it was like, it sucked. So then you spend a few months recovering and thinking about like, well, the fuck am I going to do? Cause I get no, I can't think about the future. Cause we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So Pepperoni Nightmares was always in my head. I kind of come and started coming back. And I have a friend, Austin Clark, who is like me, but with video games. So much like Ryan is like me, but with music, Austin is like me, but with video games. And me and Austin have, um, we've done like raps when we were first started hanging out and little kind of things. And we always try to work on stuff together because, again, we have similar minds. And yeah, he's, he's um, an indie game developer. So... I just kind of crossed my mind. Did you ever have Sega CD, either of you? No. No, but I played one. Definitely. Okay. One. So, are you, but you guys are well, you guys are video game people, so you're familiar with what an FMV is. Oh yeah. So full motion video game, and uh, you know at the time some arcade games and a lot of the CD systems in the early days. Yeah, you get the Corey Haim for <laughs> Night Trap, where it's like people break into the house and Corey Haim's operating this computer that'll have booby traps for them. So it's just a bunch of video video clips and you pick and choose. It's like a point-and-click adventure style kind of game, generally is how FMVs are. So I'm like, uh, you know, Austin, how easy would it be to do? I didn't even, I wasn't even familiar with the term FMV. I knew what they were, but I didn't even know the mm. term. I was like, how easy would it be to make like a game where I shoot videos and stuff for it? He's like, like an FMV. And I look it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I like that. <laughs> so we start talking a little bit, but I didn't want it to be Bandersnatch, right? I, you know, like, that kind of stuff is back in play now. Everybody is aware of these things now. So I didn't want to like, oh, okay, because people are out there doing that. So it's like, I never want to do something too cliche. Like you want to be in style, but not not out of style. So we start talking a little bit. And at first we want to do something about the brain. I don't know. And like, we had this idea of like, 
I think I was going to call it the six layer neocortex and it was going to be like six different levels or six different moods or whatever. And it would be six different gameplay styles depending on the style. And it was like a whole, we wanted to make a simple game and we got this big fucking idea like we always do. So one of the ideas I was like, Ooh, I could use, I could use pepperoni nightmares and take that idea and shove it in as like the horror section of this game. So I pitch all six games to him. And the one that stands out to him is pepperoni nightmares. And I'm like, okay, all right, I can take this. And then we ended up just working on that. It was like, okay, we'll just keep it simple. We don't want to do this big fucking six-part game, so we'll keep it really simple. Which then this very simple Pepperoni Nightmares game, which was intended to be a forward-walking game, like a uh, you know first-person view, forward-walking, you pick paths. Those paths would lead to videos where you have to make choices that are like nightmares, and you kind of go in and out. But then it became a much larger, now it's more like an interactive film in a way, more or less. Here's the way I like to think of it. Is, so it's like a movie, it's like an interactive movie, kind of like, say, like Bandersnatch or whatever. But then you go into these gameplay levels, and they have various styles of gameplay. So maybe, I don't know if you've played the demo or not, but you can kind of see it in the trailer, right? Yeah. You see these other, you know, low-poly games. So yeah, there are gameplay elements, like kind of think of them as like, reverse cutscenes in a way right so like you're getting this mood and this tone from the movie like you're watching like a david lynch movie or something but then then you have the games which now you're forced to hopefully now you're more drawn in because of the unease of the live action stuff now you're more drawn into the game and that's where the scares are going to come and stuff like that so um kind of a weird be fucking weird that's i mean that's um yeah david lynch is a big inspiration and i also uh kind of drawing from like david cronenberg who does things like videodrome and a lot of other kind of strange body horror type stuff which is kind of one of the things i'm into one of the kind of things that i write so yeah it's gonna be bizarre um and hopefully hopefully somebody likes it do you have any um tentative release date anything like that release window we would really like to do q3 but i'm kind of betting we'll have like a really rough version in q3 this year and then kind of figure out where we want to go if it's if it's something that it's not quite polished but if we could pay maybe like a different programmer to just uh maybe optimize it or something we might consider something like that but at the same time we realize this is again this two guys making a video game like the way i'm shooting this movie like the movie sections it's me and Michelle on my cell phone. It's very run and gun DIY. It's supposed to look. Choose chose cell phone for two reasons. One, it's really really easy to shoot in a cell phone. You can put them anywhere. There's a lot of things you can do with it. But two, you know, we're so used to watching things shot on cell phones. So used to looking at things on our cell phones now. The the field of view, the depth of field, and these kind of things that we already see on a cell phone is so familiar to our eye. And then I will kind of, you know, fuck the contrast, make it look a little more like it's shot on VHS, which is a whole other kind of nostalgia that we kind of already have a warmth for. It should have a very familiar feel. And then when you're doing all this, um, you know, bizarre, absurd or surrealist stuff, it should have a very unfamiliar feel. So the idea would hopefully be that it almost like puts you in like an uncanny valley kind of situation where it's just like you can't even describe the familiarity, but then you're kind of really giving them unfamiliar yeah you feel it nice hopefully yeah that's (laughs) that's the idea whether you have any 
yeah. Do you have any uh, plans for distribution, anything like that? Uh, it'll probably just be a simple digital download, probably a very minimal price, maybe five dollars unless it's really good then we'll say you know what fuck you could if you want to play this game it costs ten dollars but i'm kind of betting it'll be five bucks three dollars you know whatever whatever we feel like hey maybe somebody would would feel okay about paying us a couple dollars because we, we put time into this but um if it's like really buggy and maybe pretty difficult to play then we would just put it up there for free on itch.io or something like that but um it really kind of depends on on how we feel about the finished product um we want people to play it and if we if we are pretty proud of it, then we think that it's, it'll be worth a couple dollars to to play. But um, beyond that, who knows? If if it's if it's really good, or we want to raise a few dollars from people we know to get it kind of polished or something, who knows? Maybe we'd be able to find somebody to port it to an actual system for digital download or something. You never know. Nice, nice. Well, I think that kind of completes our, our interview portion, um, but we also have a game planned. We've, we've played the, the bomb game in, in past episode, uh, so that's what we're going to do because Patrick's the movie guy. Uh, we're going to practice. <laughs> we're going to, uh, you know, put uh, Patrick through the bomb game and uh actually we're going to have a fourth uh another special guest we're going to have patrick's wife michelle the star of vixen of vengeance she's going to join us in our game we'll get to that in just a moment All right, let's play some bomb. Let's go. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> dropping, dropping a bomb early. I, I like it. On the um, gosh. Uh, I could probably have seen that movie. Um, I, know, I know the main guy's name. That's the funny is, thing. Yeah. Is Peter O'Toole in that movie? No. Okay, well, that's that's a, that's a hot early B for nice for Eric. Um, that was brutal. That was, that was oh, cruel. Man. That was the first thing that came to my head. Hey, man. Okay. Maybe, could yeah. Could have like the mummy. That's what you gotta <laughs> do. Murder, murder. Okay, yeah. so I get to start the next round. It's all good. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the mummy. Um, <laughs> let's let's go. Uh, Brendan Fraser. I'll go the mummy, because why not? <laughs> I'll go Rachel Vice. Oh, love it. Mm. Uh, I keep coming up with these stupid movies. The Constant Gardener. Yeah, it had to be. That's the only thing in my head, too, and I don't know who's in Yeah, that. Uh, I know who's in that, though. Oh, yeah, I do, too, and I think about it. That is Clive Owen. Right? Yes. Yeah. Never, never mind, yes. I thought it was somebody else in the movie. <laughs> Oh god, I can picture him in that movie with that mm -hmm. other guy that I really like and that lady. What is that movie called? Um I'm gonna take a B. 
I, uh, I can picture him in multiple movies, but I can't come up with the be name. Be on Clive How many Owen. Children of Men. Oh, that's the that's What's the pick. That movie that's with Jude Law. Jude Law and Clive Owen. Yeah. Um, and a lady. Oh, like a I don't know. Cl- um, cl- closer. 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 Oh, closer. Closer. Nice. Natalie Portman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that we've named everyone in, I'm so disappointed. I can't come up with what I want to come up with. You can't, like, you know, you can't get it out of your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Kayla. Uh, oh yeah. Start it off. Go. Uh, I'll go. Kira Knightley. Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse, Curse of Black Pearl. Uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> okay. Um, I will go. Johnny Depp. He's in a lot of stuff. Uh, how about Blow? Penelope Cruz. Um, the Counselor. A lot of good actors in that one. It's me, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh huh. I think he's in that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, is in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Michael Fassbender. X-Men First Class. Bomb. Oh. Caught holding the bomb. Oh. oh, man. That's a B for Michelle. You get to start mm-hmm. off the next round. Yeah, she's an easy one this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, go to the Kubrick with like one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Kier, Kier Dulia, by the way, is the star of oh, the space out of scene. Well, not Peter. Um, <laughs> Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, George Clooney. God, what is the name of that movie? <laughs> I can like picture everybody in it. It's been in a couple, you know. It's been in yeah, it's been. I think he's films. Uh, <laughs> just like forewarning. I'm I'm not very good at this game. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn, Dawn, Dawn of the Dead. Close. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a O again because I know that o. that's not it, and I just oh. feel bad for saying a wrong answer. Oh yeah, no, I know what you're going for, which is a good one, which is actually what I expected you oh, to die. say. Yep. There it is. I'm like, <laughs> I know it's gone. I know it's gone. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Start that firecracker, babe. Oh, um, again, me. Um. Boom. I'm gonna say Jude Law. Uh, Gattaca. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I don't oh. know who's in that. I have no idea who's in that movie. So <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna take that oh, oh, man. Oh, man. I've never seen the movie. Oh, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman's in it. We watched it in, um, yeah. in fucking Dustman's class. Yeah, we did. That's, uh, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's the other lead, right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Mm, yeah, yep. some big actors again, like... But I know it's not who the fuck remembers Gattaca outside of 1998 or whenever the hell it came out, you know? <laughs> I have no mm-hmm. idea what that even is. <laughs> it's like about like, yeah. a, about like the, uh, um, the morality of like genetic engineering, essentially. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, like ahead babies. of its time a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty smart for, yeah, exactly when it came out and stuff. I remember it looking real cool. Like the tech was... I, I kind of have like, an... Cool, yeah. Know? I wonder how it holds up now. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. Michelle, uh, hit, yep. hit me with some. Ooh, a good one. Uh, Lord of the Rings. 
Mm. Fellowship of the Ring. Doesn't okay. matter which one. Most of them are all in the same. That's pretty sure, much it. Yeah. Sure. First one. Except, except for Sean Bean. <laughs> Doesn't count. Can't say him. Sorry, I said it aloud, but you can't use Orlando it. Bloom. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Rush. Ooh. What is? What are? Oh God! What was that? Oh, there was a movie that he was in recently. Oh, why did you pick Jeffrey Rush? Because we already said Johnny Depp and Karen Knightley. <laughs> you could have picked. Oh wait, no, he's in. He's in TV. I've only seen oh, the first one. Man, I say the first thing. I have no idea what other movies. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I'm taking it. Um, oh boy! So who is that? <laughs> Jeffrey Rush is the pilot. Uh, he's the Barbosa. Yeah, Barbosa. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of. I yeah, I can't even. He's in recently yeah, too. That's what I know him from. I know he's a big famous actor, but to me, he's Barbosa. So. <laughs> I wonder okay. if he's Barbosa to himself. Like, if he. I think he probably thinks that. Well, yeah, he's probably like in the mirror, going like, "Rah, look at my skin. It's all crumbly or whatever." Know, that's, all I got. that's the best I got. Sorry, because he has the like decays. He's like a ghost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that being his his line that his famous line in that movie. Hey, look it at was... my skin. It's crumbly. Yeah, most people don't know that was Adler. Most people don't know that. It seems like it was written by like maybe an Oscar winning screenwriter or something, but it was actually Adler by Jeffrey. <laughs> oh, oh, Michelle, uh, what do you got? Oh, uh, um. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I don't know. The first one. Sure, sure, sure. Not, um, not the latest. Not the, not the last one. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, uh, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> With Harry Man. Nice. Mm. Mm. Paul Dano. Early Blood. Mm. Uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> only like seven choices. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna say Gangs of New York. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. good one. Ooh, good one. Oh fuck. Um, I've actually never seen it. I'm not positive who's in it. Oh there's my god. Be... Oh no. I know. There's so many actors. There's got to be. Um... Oh, well. Uh, oh, what's his face? Oh, no. have... oh that's a bomb. Oh, I still heard Capri, didn't I? <laughs> no, it's fine. Get the B. That's a hot B. Someone right. took a hot B. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Start us off. Start us off. Uh, I don't make it too. God damn it. I can't make it easy. I have to. Huh. Can't be too hard. Got concern it. Um, Terminator 2. Fun. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> hmm, that guy. Um, Jingle. All the way. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it's like a single. <laughs> okay. There's got to be a young kid in that, right? Never seen it. Oh, um, what? You've never seen my favorite Christmas movie? Um, oh, no. That's your favorite Christmas movie. No. <laughs> the Tim Allen one, right? <laughs> what? Right? This isn't the Tim Allen. It's not Christmas the Tim Allen. Movie. No. Okay. No. This is one in which Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying uh, to get a Turbo Man toy. Nope. Right. <laughs> the answer we were looking for was Sinbad. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, no. Phil Hartman was the answer. Phil Hartman, because, because yeah. I don't know any other movies that Sinbad is in. 
<laughs> so we were looking for Phil Hartman so I could have said yeah. small soldiers. And then I would have said small soldiers, Michelle would be like, ah, fuck, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would have lost. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired with you, Michelle. It's, it's okay. Oh, you got, you got that. <laughs> So Eric, you yeah. have B, right? I have B, yeah. So the score currently is B for Eric, B-O-M for Kayla, Patrick also with a B, and B-O-M for Michelle. Uh, picking on the ladies. It's not nice of us. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, Kayla, you get to, <laughs> to start us off, hopefully not with Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> um, I get to start. I will say Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know, it's so funny because you said Jeffrey Rush. I kept thinking Premium Rush. So <laughs> premium, premium Rush. So that's what I'm going to say. I've never seen that movie, so I guess I'm out. Oh, no. <laughs> I have never. I don't even know what that movie is. He's like a bike messenger, and he uh, he is going to actually oh, yeah, be on a bike. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think you don't get it just from movie. the title. I mean, like, I think he's yeah. the only character in that movie, so <laughs> there's a good chance. Premium Rush. Oh, Sorry, man. Yeah, no, that's the first thing that came to my head. Well, uh, Michelle has Not been caught. Or... Nope. <laughs> the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, uh, so Premium Rush, that is, I mean, if you're going to go out on something, Michelle, Premium Rush is is something to go out on, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So I guess, oh, I guess Patrick can start us off <laughs> and then okay. we'll loop to me and then Kayla. Mm -hmm. okay. So whenever you're ready, uh, go. Does it matter if it's an actor or a movie? Does nope. not. Oh, okay. Dealer's um, choice. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Um, we mentioned this before, I think. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Is that Javier Bardem? That is Javier Bardem. Bardem. Very good, very good. The Count's not okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Javier Bardem is in... Fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know what which one that is though. They're all fucking generic to me. It's in one of the James Bonds. Uh, Skyfall. Yep. Oh. Uh, with with Daniel Craig. I won't be fast enough to say non a non James yes. Bond Daniel oh, Craig movie. Oh man. Weren't we just talking about there Knives was like Out this seven morning? Seconds left. I <laughs> needed like at least fifteen to come come oh, up with it. Well, you know, Daniel Craig isn't Daniel Craig. as tough oh, as Premium Rush. Out. See, I came up with it. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. still, if you're going to go out, uh, you know, Daniel Craig, that's a solid one to go out on. Um, mm -hmm. So, I guess we're down to Eric and Patrick. Yeah. Oh, boy. Let's make this happen. Let's make this happen. <laughs> Let's light the candle. Boom. Uh... Da, 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 da. Let's Inception. Leonardo DiCaprio. Titanic. Billy Zane. Mm. The cool. Phantom. Oh. 
<laughs> That's an O. I'll take the O on that one. If you're going to give fine. me Zane, I'm going to. Yeah, I'll take it. It's Zoolander. Oh, fuck. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoolander would have been good. But, like, yeah, I don't even fuck the Phantom. The only thing I know about the Phantom is that they wanted Bruce Campbell, and the studio was like, no. We need somebody famous like Billy Zane. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Who's who's uh, the bad guy in the Phantom? Yep. No, who is? No, no yeah, I'm, saying, I'm saying I have no idea. Exactly. No idea. Well played. Well played. Okay. All right. Well. Oh. What do I got then? Well, let's go. Start us off. Start us off. Let's go with the. Everybody loves him. Let's go with the Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Uh. Reservoir Dogs. Hmm. Uh, I don't want to make it too hard. Harvey Keitel. Uh, Pulp Fiction. That's fine. Okay. We'll do Pulp Fiction. Uh, <laughs> Samuel Jackson. The Hitman's Bodyguard. Yes, the only other person that I know is in that movie would be Ryan Reynolds. I think it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Hugh Jackman. The Prestige. Christian Bale. I was about to say, I was going to punch you. Ten the, seconds left. The Dark Knight. Heath Ledger. Five. A Knight's Tale. Fuck you. Two. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... Oh, I don't know anybody else. Nobody, We were looking for Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. No. <laughs> <laughs> nobody was looking for Alan Tudyk. He's fucking. I, I like Alan Tudyk. He's he's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, he's entertaining. I like him. Yeah, oh. he's good. He's a good voice actor. Everything. But damn it, I never thought of that. All right, pretty good. Pretty good. Well played. Okay. All right. Um. Hmm. Let's start with Jim Carrey. Okay. Uh, the Cable Guy. Oh, my favorite. Matthew Broderick. Glory. Oh. Um. Fuck. Is that? I. Is. Oh, I think I'm wrong. Denzel Washington. Oh yeah. Okay. Training Day. Um. Oh. Uh, no. Wait. Wait. I. Yeah. yeah no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I. Yep. I, I, Go ahead. I'm dumb. Your turn. Okay. Uh, Ethan Hawke. Ah, oh, boy. Always you messed yourself up there, honey. I do. I know. I know. I always get Ethan Hawke and. Um, <laughs> it's like his weakness. And Edward Norton confused with. Ethan Ooh, Norton. really? Um, I, 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 I do. Interesting. I do. Yeah. Uh, very good. Five seconds. Ah, uh, shit. Um, Hawk. Shit. Yes. yes. Yeah. Time. Yeah. That's time. That's okay. time. Breakers. Oh. Oh, you know what? He was in. I. I. He was in. Um. Uh, Boyhood. The, the first fucking. Um. Uh. The Purge. The, the Purge. purge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a lot. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That would have been. That would have been the one. Oh well. Uh. <laughs> All right, all right. Get Let's start it off. Yeah, I get to start. So wait, off. am I B O M and you're B O? You got it. Okay, you got it. Uh, let's start it off with. Oh gosh. Um. 
man, why am I drawing a blank on just every <laughs> film and film actor? Uma Thurman. Uh, she's in Gattaca, by the way. Um, Batman and Robin. <laughs> um, we got a lot here. Um, she's in the one with... Gosh, that's... Oh, gosh. What is she the one in? Is she in the one with Tommy Lee Jones? Um, 30 seconds. Oh, you are. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm getting <clears throat> confused quite a bit. Uh. Okay. Uma Thurman, Batman and Robin. Uh. Who's in both yeah. of them? Right. <laughs> Who are Wait. they? Fifteen seconds. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, George Clooney. Right. George Clooney's in that one. We need George Clooney already. I'll give it to you. Uh. Or Brother Rockdown. Shit. Um. <laughs> uh. There's a bunch of dudes. A bunch of guys. <laughs> uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Uh, uh, um, yeah. That's you, tight. Thirty. No, 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 right. That out. was a dirty, oh, dirty. Yeah, that was. Oh. That was. That's all right. That's all right. Oh well, man, it's all. It's all. It's all fair. Part oh. of the game. My heart's never beat so yes. bad on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> good. John is a good man. He is. Um... <laughs> so we played the bomb game. We interviewed Patrick. We got to see the star of Vixen of Vengeance, Michelle, guest star. Oh, cool. We did yeah. not know that we were going to have two guests on this pod. Hey. We are so happy to have had you guys. Thank you so much uh, for coming on. Before we say goodbye and wrap up, is there anything you want to plug, Patrick? I know you said you're going to be working on uh, Pepperoni Nightmares. I'm going to post the trailer to our our feed our machine and nonsense feed but is there anything else uh that we should be looking for uh you know any anywhere where we can find you uh yeah i mean just on the socials i guess i'm just under lucha style and um you know i don't i'm not a huge social media guy but you can find me on youtube and find anything i've really done on there and then also on instagram under lucha style now is where i'm kind of going to start to post most of my things yeah, Peppering Nightmares is the biggest project I'm currently working on, but I'll have two shorts I, I want to shoot really soon uh, called Transmission and Rearview. So we'll probably see those pretty soon. And then uh, Porker and Roundy. Porker and Roundy, the uh, cartoon about a pig in a basketball that works in a donut shop. That'll be uh, something else, and we'll be, <laughs> we'll be seeing that pretty soon. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what to be on the lookout for. Yeah, sounds great. Cool. Well. Thank you guys again for being wonderful guests, playing our game, uh, going through the ringer. This has been the Machina Nonsense episode 23. I'm your host, Eric. For Kayla, for Patrick, and for Michelle, we're saying goodbye. See ya. Bye. Bye.